Hey everybody, welcome to High Heels and Heartache. I am your host, Kendall Ann Bird. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. On this episode, I'm interviewing Missy Stancil about spiritually integrated psychotherapy. Um, That was something that I had never even heard of before I met Missy, but Missy and I were chatting about the different ways she helps uh, survivors of trauma, and she told me that she sees really great results by using spiritually integrated psychotherapy, and I was immediately like, you got to come on the podcast and tell everybody about it. Uh, (laughs) So today is the day. Missy is here, and she's going to teach us all about Spiritually Integrated Psychotherapy. Hello and welcome back to High Heels and Heartache. Today, I'm lucky enough to have Missy Stancil here. Hi, Missy. Hi, Kendallan. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good. I'm really glad that you're here today. I am really glad to be here today. Okay, so a little bit about you so I can tell our listeners. You are a licensed professional counselor and national certified counselor. You earned a master's degree in mental health counseling from Campbell University, the fighting camels. Correct. <laughs> and a bachelor's degree in human geography from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Okay, later you're going to have to tell me what human geography is. I'm happy to. Okay. You completed a three-year postgraduate residency in spiritually integrated psychotherapy from Wake Forest Baptist Medical. Medical Center, as well as the Faith Health Fellowship. You furthered your training through the Addressing Health Disparities Leadership Program through the National Council for Behavioral Health and the LGBTQ Academy Certificate from the American Counseling Association. So you have a lot of degrees hanging on your wall in your office, don't you? There is a lot that is framed on the wall. You just have a whole... It is true. Just one wall full of (laughs) framed certificates. That's awesome. So a little bit about your approach. Mm -hmm. Um, Your counseling approach includes an integrative approach founded on person-centered counseling with sensory motor techniques and integrative wellness with a specialty in EMDR. You work with a variety of ages and populations, and you specialize in trauma, grief and loss, sexual identity, gender identity, spiritually integrated psychotherapy. That's what we're here for today. Yes. Uh, Your professional interests include rural mental health, women's health, and the intersection between spirituality and sexuality. The integration of wellness practices with trauma protocols, such as EMDR, is often the foundation of your work with clients. You specialized in working with PTSD for several years, and you um, and the and the progress and healing of clients is remarkable to you. That's really good because you know, as someone who has PTSD, we love to see other people doing well. You are a trained. Reiki master, and you integrate Reiki into treatment at the client's request. How many people ask you for that? A lot? A lot, actually. Yes. That's so so cool. part of the kind of spiritually integrated approach, Uh trauma work can include energy work. For some people it does, some people it doesn't. I would say close to 50% of my clients incorporate Reiki, Reiki in their session. That's really cool. Yeah. When you're not at work... You can, you will be found outside enjoying nature. You love walking your dog and you love live music of almost all genres. Uh-oh. <laughs> almost all genres. You can enjoy just about anything. Okay. Yeah. And you read just about anything as well. Yes. That's fantastic. I have three different stations in my home. Yes. The station in the living room is books currently being read. Okay. Then there is the books that have been completed. Yeah. And then there's those that are on deck. Can you read more than one book at a time? Do I read five or six at a time. Oh my gosh. Because I was like, what am I in the mood for? Okay. So you do you have like a variety like fiction mm-hmm. and nonfiction? I pretty much only read nonfiction. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I, like I like to have a nonfiction and a fiction going. Mm. I like that. Because I couldn't have two fictions or they'd all just be the same book to me. Yeah. <laughs> Over the holiday, I'll probably just do a fiction and like finish it. Okay. Then, yeah. 
All right. That's fun. All right. So when we first spoke, we were talking about everything that you specialize in, which I just read off was a ton of stuff. And you brought up spiritually integrated therapy. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I had never heard of that before. So what is spiritually integrated therapy? That is a great question. <laughs> um, people tend to have a lot of preconceptions, I think, about spirituality or religion, mm-hmm. and sometimes with some good reason. So um, I'm glad we get to start with this. So spiritually integrated psychotherapy um, includes um, a mind-body-spirit approach. So within psychotherapy, there is the goal to have a biopsychosocial model Okay, which means biology, what's actually happening in the body, the physiology, social, what's happening around the client really affects our overall health, um, particularly our mental health. Um, And then also mind. So, of course, that's the part that we specialize in, right, as therapists. For for myself and other people who appreciate and use spiritually integrated psychotherapy, it's a biopsychosocial spiritual approach. So we see your spirit... Okay. As as real as any of those other parts of your life. So so the bias there is that everyone has spirit. A okay. Majority of people um, experience some type. They believe in something outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. Not everybody. Um, so this approach isn't necessarily perfect for everybody. Um, but for me, I think. Um, your soul doesn't stay in the parking lot when you come into therapy. <laughs> so, so might as well work with it in the same way that we're going to talk about what you're eating, how much you're sleeping, etc. So with spiritually integrated psychotherapy, that's going to be included as much or as little as the client wants to. It's the client's choice. Okay. Yeah. And so do you ask them like... Hey, did you? Hey, do you want me to include spirituality? So, as or? part of the assessment, when we ask, like at the first session, if you've ever been to therapy, we ask you. Oh, girl, I've been to therapy. A million questions, <laughs> yeah. like a million questions. Everything from what your home life is like, what it was like, have you ever had any blows to the head, etc. Mm-hmm. So, in my assessment, is is there a faith identity or spirituality that's important to you that you would want to incorporate in session? And sometimes people are like, yeah, and some people are like, no. It's like, okay. Oh. Yeah. So so if you're not going to a therapist who has the credentials that you have that knows how to mm-hmm. implement it, they probably don't ask you that question. It depends. Yeah, because because there's a pretty significant history here when we talk about the relationship between psychology and religion. Okay. Okay. And they got divorced a long time ago for kind of some good reasons. Mm-hmm. That might be another, <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> um, so some people... Religion is a big part of their spirituality. For some people, it's not. It's not actually an organized system of beliefs um, or relationship to a particular faith group. For some people, it is. For some people, it's not. So in some cases, religion ends up getting involved in therapy in ways that are not helpful for people. And that's where the distinction is really important. So for spiritually integrated psychotherapists like myself, one, I'm trained to work with a wide variety of faith systems and spiritualities. I got training in those. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you name some off? Oh, yeah. So you have the major world religions, um, both monotheistic and polytheistic. So monotheistic being um, the idea that there's one kind of central divinity, Mm -hmm. um, and that would be Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Um, And then you have a variety of polytheistic religions religions as well, where um, there may be multiple gods or divinities in the way you interact with them, Hinduism, um, Taoism, um, Buddhism. Some people consider it more of a way of life than a religion. It depends on kind of how you want to define it. But then you have a wide variety of earth-centered spiritualities, indigenous spiritualities that may, um, may involve um, a particular divinity or God figure or may not. Um, so it's a very, oh my goodness, this is, I say that people's spirituality is as varied as the person. Gotcha. So you have groups of people, right? You may have a, a Christian who attends a church, um, but even within themselves, they probably experience their connection to, to God different than maybe another person does. Yeah. So with spiritually integrated psychotherapy, what I start with is what is where you are. Like there's no, we just use it as a resource. It's not like, I don't have a predetermined outcome. Oh, gotcha. Do you see what I'm saying? Which would be different 
than something potentially like Christian counseling, where there may be an assumption that you agree on certain things or certain values. Okay, so... Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. so this is spiritually integrated therapy mm-hmm. is different than, let's say, you go to a pastor that you trust yes. and ask yes. for his advice mm-hmm. in a situation that it that's is. troubling to you. Such a good question. And depending on what the person needs, I, I want people to find whatever resources they need. Mm-hmm. Um what I'm able to provide is psychotherapy with awareness of your spirit as part of your resource, as well as if that's part of where the injury occurred. Oh. Yeah. So, so when something particularly like intimate partner violence, domestic violence, sexual assault, um, we know that more than your body and mind gets affected mm-hmm. when you think about What's your true self? What's the part of you that is eternal? Yeah. Okay. We want to make sure that. Oh, you just gave me goosebumps. That part is healthy and whole. Yeah. And only you know that for yourself Mm -hmm. is my approach. It's not like I have a particular, I mean, I have my own belief system, but it's not relevant to the client. Gotcha. We go with what the client is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're not trying to like, like kind of force one like Christian, Christian worldview upon the people that come. You're working right. with sort of their own yeah. set of idea of what spirituality is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, you sent me a lot of stuff to read. <laughs> she gave me, Missy gave me some serious homework. I am a bit of a nerd. <laughs> and so when can Duane ask for resources? Yes. So I read that some people believe that psychotherapy has its roots in science while spirituality is more, and I didn't have a, better word for this like mystic Mm -hmm. so is that why many therapists don't include spirituality into their practice because maybe they see therapy as more like science Mm -hmm. and spirituality doesn't kind of go into that science so overall what comes out in the in the literature is a couple of things one that so um the, the need or desire for something to be really empirically validated, yes. We do have spiritually integrated psychotherapy now as an empirically validated technique, but it is separate. Some people might would consider it woo-woo or, some, or something like that. So, um, so I get that. I get that. And some people have had really negative experiences with a therapist incorporating some type of religion or spirituality. So it's important oh. to keep in mind, right? So if it's... Um, you know, and this is for, for any therapist, like we want to make sure we have our own biases kind of in check. And if someone for whatever reason did not, it can just be really harmful. If I make like assumptions about you, if you're my client, if I think I know what's best for you, like, no, you know what's best for you. I'm going to help you find it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So a 2007 survey indicated that 90% of Americans believe in God and 80% are interested in, quote, growing spiritually. So when we kind of touched on this, so can you define spirituality and how that's different from your religion? I can define it as I've come to understand it. Okay. Yes, which is going to be different than someone else you talk to, so... Just want to highlight that. Um, So overall, religion is what we think of as um, a system of belief, okay? So that may include specific tenets. uh, It may include specific um, kind of guidelines or rules. It may include specific histories, kind of um, what what a person um, believes in, okay? So like um, Christianity is a religion. Islam is a religion. So there's certain things where it's like, hey... I believe this is true, that makes me a Christian. I believe this is true, that makes me a Muslim, et cetera. Gotcha. Where spirituality um, tends to be a little harder to define um, because a lot of people will say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Mm -hmm. Some people have had really negative experiences with religion, which I totally understand. Um, I've had some (laughs) negative experiences with religion. (laughs) um, Some positive ones too. Um, So spirituality is kind of how you approach... Um, all that is seen and unseen. 
Hmm. Okay. So for some people, like, you, you know, 90% of Americans um, believe in God and 80% are interested in growing spiritually. It really is an overwhelming majority. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, I want to be super mindful and respectful of the people who are like, no, like, I, I know that what's in front of me and what I... Um, not necessarily what I can see, but what even I could see through a microscope is what's real. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my bias is that there's a really robust reality that we like can't see. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, I'm not even really sure what that is, but, um, I think of it as benevolent. I think of it as interesting. I think of it as connecting people. Yeah. Okay. So that would be kind of more spirituality versus a belief system. Gotcha. So maybe like if you, if you would maybe consider yourself as a religious person and a Christian, Mm -hmm. you would believe like heaven and hell. Some Christians believe that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you believe kind of like spirituality, if you're a spiritual person, you might be more like, there's probably an afterlife and I have no idea what that is, but I think it's probably out there. Yeah. And you can be religious and spiritual at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So a huge part of my like kind of personal spiritual experience is what's called contemplative practice. So what? Contemplative practice. Yes. Okay. So um, meditation, different forms of prayer, kind of connecting to self um, and what I call God for, for, um, for my faith identity, but for some type of divinity outside um, of ourselves or within ourselves. So, um, and it's meditation is a huge part of it. Um, for some people, they have other spiritual practices. So um, other people might be, they might not call it meditation. They might call it like praying. Yeah. Maybe prayer, uh-huh. fasting, um, service uh-huh. for a lot of people, for a lot of religions, service is, um, is part of your like spiritual and religious commitment in terms yeah. of taking care of those who may be in poverty or those who are elderly, huge through line through most of the religions. Yeah. Maybe all if I have to sit here and think about it. Supposed to take care of each other. <laughs> Listen, okay, I remember that. <laughs> We're supposed to all be taking care of each other. <laughs> that's so. That's very interesting because I, I think that sometimes we sort of get caught up in like if you're not religious, like if you're not yeah. going to synagogue or a mosque or a church, then you're not necessarily spiritual. But that's that's not all the time yeah. true. Correct. Like a really interesting study came out. It may have been 2018. It may have been 2017. I can't remember, so don't quote me. Everyone look it up for yourselves. And the number one reason that people in um, in this study in America cited for going to church was to feel close to God. The oh. number one reason that people cited for not going to church was to feel close to God. Wow. Whoa, right? Oh, my goodness. I mean... Our connection, whatever in us is eternal, and how we connect to whatever yeah. is, that is, um, is as individual as the person. So, okay. Yeah. So what, what I'm hearing you say is part of spiritually integrated psychotherapy is not only um, using just sort of like basic rules for spirituality, but like really making it based on the individual and their yes. spiritual beliefs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the more that I can, like a, a great um, kind of image is creating a really safe container. Okay. okay? Particularly um, if I'm working with people who've experienced trauma, mm-hmm. they may have a real, um, they may feel far from um, from God, they may feel that God is mad at them. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I read in. I yes. read in one of your articles that yes. that one of the obstacles mm-hmm. that people face in spiritually integrated therapy mm-hmm. is that they feel that their trauma, their actual that they did something wrong, and that mm-hmm. God is punishing them mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. giving them that yes. trauma. Yes. So when I'm if I get to work with that person, um, I'm going to create a really safe totally 100% accepting space for them to feel supported to work that out, okay? Because sometimes what happens in their families, um, within themselves, um, within their communities of faith, um, is that gets confirmed. Really? Yeah, like, yeah, you were whatever, Mm -hmm. messing up, and so you deserve this or 
God let this happen to you or whatever, some really, really hurtful things. So that um, community that you sort of turn to, that you're mm-hmm. supposed to turn to, that's teaching you things like help mm-hmm. everybody, service, yeah. Yeah. is now teaching these people. The same community has now almost like turned their back on those people. It can happen. Uh-huh. I'm not saying it happens all the time. Gotcha. But when it does happen, it is so hurtful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so isolating for the individual. Um, so much so that for some people, they're like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Um, and that can also be really painful because it may be something that's really important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for as a spiritually integrated psychotherapist, one just creating a place where they get to feel all of that with no judgment, no judgment, no guilt, um, similar to some of the ways I'm sharing right now, like whatever yeah. you need to say is okay. Because they know mm-hmm. that you don't think, first of all, that their religion or spirituality was wrong because right. it was different than yours in the first place. Right. So that ju- that layer of judgment is gone. It is gone. And then they know because you don't have that layer of judgment, you also don't have the layer of judgment as like maybe some of the internal things, the way that they're judging themselves because what they've been taught in that religion. Mm -hmm. Like good things happen to good people, Mm -hmm. bad things happen to bad people kind of thing. Okay. And particularly when we're talking about something like sexual assault or intimate partner violence or domestic violence, any type of assault, I mean... These have a lot of layers with religious identity for people, particularly relationships and sex. I mean, like, there's a lot, lot, lot in there. Uh It can be guilt and shame and all of these things. Um, And that makes it really hard to heal. Mm -hmm. It makes it, in my opinion, it makes it impossible for your spirit to heal Mm -hmm. if you're seized with that judgment and shame. So... Um, I think humans are pretty remarkable. Yes. And when, <laughs> and when given um, help, a healthy environment to heal. To, he- can, to heal all of those things that you talked yes, about before. Mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we can heal the community too. So. Yeah. yeah. And so you've already said mm-hmm. about giving them a space mm-hmm. when where they can talk about all of that. What else are you doing to mm-hmm. integrate spirituality into their therapy? Yes. Um, So it it would start with some really general questions, like rather than, hey, how do you, um, you know, how do you take care of yourself or what what do you do to feel better? I might phrase the question like, how do you find peace or where do you find peace? Because that small change gives the person an opportunity to talk about something that might be a little deeper and more spiritual for them. And then we can work with that. Okay. So you're not like, when they come in, you're not like, hey, how do you feel about Jesus? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) You're asking more general questions. Right. So they get sort of the feeling of like, this is the safe space where you can talk about anything. Anything. Absolutely anything. Yes. I mean, like our... if people are not familiar with the American Counseling Association Code of Ethics, check it out. It is a beautiful document that makes each of us as licensed professional counselors commit to um, the strength and uniqueness of each individual. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, that's what we commit to. So I'm totally down with that. I meet people with wherever they are. Mm-hmm. So so what ends up happening like actually in the session is... Um, you know, I used to pray, I'm I'm just giving you an example. Um, how did you find comfort before? Or how did you find peace? And they may respond with something like, I used to pray and I can't pray anymore. Mm. Okay. Well, tell me more about why you can't pray. I can't. It just feels like a block. And so Mm -hmm. what we'll do is I'll ask like, this feels important. Would it be okay if we spend some time with this? Yeah. Um, and so I'll ask people to kind of sense into, where in their body or where they're feeling um, that sense of block. Yeah. And sometimes people describe it um, as, you know, God used to feel really close to me and now God feels really far away or, or something like that. Oh. Or um, I used to feel really connected to nature and now when I'm there, 
it, it, it doesn't feel the same. I mean, you, the, a couple of examples. Um, and so what we would end up doing is working with that for that person to help um, make that connection, to, to reestablish that connection. Because um, once there's safety, healing can happen. But healing can't happen without safety. That's true. Which is one of the things that makes domestic violence so hard because it's, you're not safe in your home. Mm-hmm. You know? Which is where you should be safe. Right. Most dangerous place in America for a woman is her own home. Yeah, many so, times. So messed up, right? Yeah. So we want to, sometimes people only maybe have that 45, 60 minutes in my office to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And we can get a lot of work done. So, And have you found that that people who have been traumatized, do they tend to have had more of um, a, like an impact on their kind of what you call the spirit, their soul, than maybe people who are there to see you for something else, like maybe depression or anxiety. Do you find that people with trauma struggle more with this kind of connecting back to their soul than people who might have have, have been experiencing depression or anxiety without that trauma? Mm, that is such a good question. And I'm like thinking about it because I haven't necessarily thought about it with that type of duality mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, because some of the people I work with, with, with other c- concerns or diagnosis also um, may feel disconnected from themselves or from their spirit. So much of what I do is trauma. So I, so I'm not able, I'm only able to give my biased opinion here. Yeah. So um, that's all we want. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so here's my bias. Opinion. Um, in my work that has been true. Yes. Particularly when, um, the abuse occur in, in some type of repeated fashion. So um, I'm thinking of like people I've worked with who, you know, were praying or, you know, trying to like, please, please, please save me from this. Oh. And it never happened. And so understandably there can often be a lot of anger and um and fear. So, and I'm also so it's not just like anger and fear from their abuser uh, or at their abuser, right. but at their whatever their religion is that their religion or spirituality didn't yeah. didn't exalt them or save them yeah. from this hell, for lack of a better yes. word, that they were facing. Yes, yes. And so then, when you have, um, I'm thinking of some some of the women I've worked with where like everyone who promised to love and protect them like didn't, you know what I mean? Oof. Like, like their fathers were abusive, their brothers, a, a grandfather, a spouse, um, a partner. And particularly if they all end up being men and a lot of people within their understanding of what they believe about a higher power, they also consider it male. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, it, everything gets so painfully screwed up like yeah. because it's so it's like hard. compounded trauma yes yes so it's like and then it's so hard to be like okay I don't feel set. I mean, one of the things with PTSD is this kind of dominant worldview can change so it can be something like men are bad okay that's a part of what can happen with PTSD yeah so if a person conceives of their divinity as male Ooh. and men are bad then you have what was a huge resource for the person gets ripped away. Yeah. And and we want to build that back in a way that feels really safe for the person. Yeah. Sometimes people return to a reconnection to what they originally understood to be true about what they think about religion and spirituality. Sometimes people find new facets of what they already believed, and sometimes people find entirely new understandings of their reality. So... Um, for a lot of people, particularly like if I end up working um, with um, some people from like LGBTQ communities who've experienced a lot um, of discrimination within a lot of religious circles, um, even just introducing like, yeah, there are, there's other ways to connect and th- these are options. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and if they end up finding like an earth-centered spirituality or, or something else, it feels really restorative for them. Um because they are re- because they are like original religion sort of turned its back on them. Mm-hmm. They felt but, discarded, yeah. But they still feel this yes. longing to connect. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. So it's like I know there's something 
else. Yeah. And, and it's an important part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want that, you know, restored. Yeah. So. And I, I felt like when I was in my abusive relationship, like I've never really been like a super like devout Catholic. Mm-hmm. Like I consider myself a cafeteria Catholic. Okay. Like I go, <laughs> what does through, that mean? I pick and choose the stuff. <laughs> And I'm like, that's a yes, that's a no. And, but you know, many times in my life being in church has, has given me comfort when I've, when I felt sad. And one way that my abusers um, started to control me was he would make me feel bad if I went to church. So then I stopped going to church because I, he was making me feel like, um, very guilty for it, like because he he didn't want to go to church, yeah. so then I shouldn't. So how do you address that part of it? People who who have been in mm-hmm. that position, um, I think a little what we call psychoeducation. So mm-hmm. just helping a person understand some of the kind of the psychological ways that people work um, can be really helpful there. And so being able to frame that within the cycle of abuse. Um, in that an abuser um, is going to kind of systematically take away strengths. And so spirituality or religion may be a strength for someone. It may, it may have been for you. And so, um, so that's going to get systematically kind of stripped away as part of the cycle of abuse. Yeah. Um, and so helping the person hopefully understand, like, this is, this is part of what happens if the person feels like they want to understand more about the psychology of the abuser as well, because I work with perpetrators as well as survivors. Oh. And so, um, and sometimes that's not clinically appropriate. Hear me mm-hmm. say that. Like that's a, that's a big assessment on my part to make sure I do that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but learning kind of what, what was it um, that may or may not have been happening in his life to need to strip away that strength from you? Gotcha. Um, and sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. So I try to be really careful about that. Yeah. Yeah. Does that answer your question? No, though? that does. Like okay. I, and, and that makes sense because that's, that was also like sort of another community of people that could be like, mm-hmm. y'all right? You know, like you seem a little down. Everything okay? So I think that that's that's part of it too. And do and and most people probably, after you know speaking to their therapist, they probably do sort of see okay. There's nothing. There was nothing wrong with my religion, even though my abuser would bash it and make it seem stupid and whatever. That was actually just another layer, like you said. That's so many layers that they were just trying to take away from me. Yeah. Because isolation is what is a really effective tool. It is an effective tool. Um, and, and we want to restore as much community as we can for a person. Mm-hmm. Their family members, you know, and for me, it also includes their, their spiritual life. Yeah. In terms of restoring community for them. So have you ever found spirituality to actually be an obstacle in the person's therapy? Yes. Oh. Yes. So... Um, there's a really good book. I don't think I sent you this one. <laughs> um, and it's more within the specific context of, of religion, but it's really helpful. And it's called Religion That Harms, Religion That Heals. Okay. Some of it is within a Judeo-Christian context, but some of it not. So it, it, can, it can be adapted. Um, and it goes through some of the re- ways that religion is har- can be harmful and may show up in therapy. Uh, a big one is shame. I mean, just overwhelming paralyzing shame. Wow. Um, I can't be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Um, my family hates me. God hates me. I mean, just a paralyzing sense of shame. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. For some people, it may be their understanding of what they feel that their sacred scriptures say mm-hmm. um, that can also be really harmful for the person. Um, like listen to your husband no matter what he does yes. to you. Yes, mm-hmm. and so I've, I've worked with women who their pastors are who they confided in and they were instructed to stay in the marriage mm. um, out of an understanding that that is correct in terms of things like submission, some of those concepts. Um, and that's really hard for me as a therapist because particularly if I'm working with someone where that's also their belief system. Um, so even though that's very, very far from what I believe, um, what I believe is irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so in that moment, um, it's really important for me to respect the person's belief. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also make space for them to explore how that was hurtful for them. 
Oh. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they may also believe, based on their religion, that they're to be submissive to um, a male spouse. Okay, so so I need to honor that if that's their belief. So how do I also help them feel empowered in terms of with the, also within their spiritual context? Oh, yes. oh, that's tough. It is tough. It is tough, and it's long work. It's very delicate work. It's mm-hmm. very delicate work. Like, yeah, you're talking about people's souls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so the main, I mean, the main criteria for me is humility. Like if, like if I can make sure I check my ego mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh. and be at least aware of my blind spots, um, then, then we can usually do some good work. But I had another example Oh, of when it shows up. So, um, shame and perfectionism are the uh, the two biggest ones that i see shame and perfectionism um of how that comes out of a, a religious belief or or spirituality huh. um and and that's hard that's so hard because it's like the person's just not experiencing any joy any freedom any you know things that because they have to be perfect in their mm-hmm. spirituality mm-hmm. for their whatever their concept of God is to accept them. Mm -hmm. Or maybe how they feel from their family. If a majority of how they understand their religion has to be with their family. And if they start exploring their own personal beliefs and they get shunned for that, it's Mm -hmm. to be really, really hard stuff because we all need family. Mm -hmm. Um, Family does not have to be blood, but we do, yeah. all, but we do all need family. Yeah. We need people who are there for us no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a big, I mean, sometimes people choose to stay in this unhealthy relationship to self to try to preserve a relationship with others. Yeah. So even yeah. though you don't, you do your best <clears throat> to not put judgment upon whatever spirituality or yeah. religion the people mm-hmm. that your patients are coming in they're not leaving in the parking lot as you say right 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 you still have an an idea of maybe some of the obstacles that are specifically kind of associated with that maybe their spirituality or their religion that that might come up in your therapy so you have an idea of maybe if they're here for trauma, they might think it's their fault if they have this certain spirituality or religion, but not in a judgment way. You just right. sort of kind of know. It be part of the assessment. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because are there ways that sometimes religion is not life-giving? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, a really clear example, like a, a more, not that anything's black and white, but a more black and white example would be something like membership in a cult. Oh. So it's like where the use of religion is so demonstrably damaging to the person. Yeah. Okay. That's a little more clear, clear cut. Okay. Not totally clear cut, but a little more clear cut. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so do you, do you, have you treated people who were members of cults before? Yes. Not many, but yes. And what, and, and what is like, how are they, are you, how are they acclimating without the cult? Is that what you're working with them towards part of it. And for a lot of people wanting to reconnect with, with a higher power that at one point was so important to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But might not be the Mm -hmm. cult per se, right? but they want to get in touch with some kind of spiritual connection with, with the universe. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. See, cause I would think like if you were in a cult after you got out of the cult, you'd be like, never mind. Yeah. But which the, happens too, which is fine. Yeah. But then to think about it, like there was a reason you got in the cult in yeah. the first place. You probably were, you know, reaching Drawn for to something. Yeah. Yes. yes. So, oh, that's so oh interesting. Oh my goodness! It's so like when people find out what I do, they're like, "Oh my gosh, are you like so sad all the time?" And I was like, "No, complete opposite." Because I get to see like the amazingness of human beings every day. Yeah. Like human beings can overcome so much. They're remarkably resilient. They're so strong. They're so beautiful and willing to forgive and connect. I mean, it's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely extraordinary. Um, now there's lots of, over time, I feel like I've been really intentional about building up my capacity to hold suffering with people. Uh huh. Okay. Cause if I'm uncomfortable, the session is just totally a waste. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I have to make sure I'm, um, 
regulated. Mm-hmm. If I fall apart, it doesn't really help the client either. Although yeah. sometimes I do cry. Oh, yeah. My clients are listening to this. You know that sometimes I cry. <laughs> just a little bit. Just like a little bit. Just You're I, still a human too. Yes, yes. Because I can see, so usually it's out of happiness because I can see, oh my goodness, like this person is is healing. This is so exciting. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does. Okay. And so tell me some of like the, you know, we're talking about that you you get to see like the, the great parts of humans. Like tell me about some of the wonderful outcomes that you've seen from spiritually integrated mm. therapy that you you maybe wouldn't have seen without the spiritually integrated part. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, I find spiritually integrated psychotherapy to be remarkably efficient. Oh. Like I'm like, yes, insurance companies want to pay for this because you get better faster. See, it seems like it would be another layer. So it'd be like, tackle on another 45 right? minutes. <laughs> so so it's interesting because this these layers um, are masks that we wear and mm-hmm. we all do it and we change them out for different things that we have to do in different roles that we have to be. And so when we're talking about spirit, that's like true self. That's like mm-hmm. as you as you get. Okay. So if the person can feel safe enough and I can be a trustworthy person for us to work in that space, people heal faster. Ah. Oh. So I'm trying to think of um, what I could share that would be appropriate and, you know, meet HIPAA and confidentiality and all that kind of good stuff. Well, I can speak in some generalities and what I've experienced for... Um, for people who were in kind of long-term um, physical and sexual abuse within their relationships. Um, and I'm thinking of a couple examples where like substance use was also involved, like maybe a substance use disorder okay, um, for, for them and um, the abusive partner. So just infinitely complex, right? Yeah, that's a lot of stuff like to break infinite, apart. Infinitely complex. When, when it's established that, that spirituality is something that the person wants to work with, all of those pieces, this is the best way I can just explain it, that got fractured. Okay. That would take so long. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get tearful. Uh-huh. Like so long to put back together. Like you feel it, right? For those of us who have experienced um, mm-hmm. aspects of that, like you're so fractured. You're like, I'm never going to be put back together again. Mm-hmm. Okay. The mind is powerful. The body is powerful. All of those things. Our communities are powerful. But the part of you that knows how to put that back together is your spirit. Yeah. So if we if we can work with that and shepherd that and keep that safe and healthy and watered and all of those things, um, which looks like human contact, right? Yeah. I mean, humans need other humans. Um, so when I get to nurture that in a person, their spirit finds the way to put themselves back together. Oh, that, that makes sense. sense. That, that totally makes sense. It's not like I'm doing surgery. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm creating the space for the healing to happen. It's sort of like your soul knows how to put yourself back together once you get sort of like the information mm-hmm. that you need mm-hmm. to do it. Like mm-hmm. your soul is going to be like you, mm-hmm. like the one that glues it all on, on yes. back. Yes, I just help you access it. And that's by creating a lot of safety. A lot of safety. Yeah. And yeah. 90% of Americans believe in God. Yes. So it seems like yes. a lot more people should be doing this. Yes. But, you know, before talking to you, and I, it's just my own ignorance, like I thought spiritually integrated therapy was the same thing as going to someone in your church that you trusted. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and saying like, hey, I got this problem. But really, now that you've explained to it, not that that's bad. Right. It depends on what you need. That yeah. can be really good and helpful. If yes. you need that, then that's good. Yeah. But also, it might it might not get you to the kind of healing that you need because the healing that you need might be different than the objective of what maybe the church or synagogue or mm-hmm. mosque wants mm-hmm. for you. It could be, yeah, and it could be a different in um, competence, a difference in competence. Yeah, so, like I've read off all your stuff. Like yeah, you, like so, you're you're competent. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're oh. a fighting camel. Camel. We all trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there are times I'm working with somebody, and I realize this is beyond this is beyond my competence. Like, 
who is a faith leader that you trust within your tradition that I that we can refer you to? This is beyond my competence, okay? Oh. So so that happens too. Like mm-hmm. ideally we want this to go both ways. We want people out in the community who are faith leaders to feel comfortable referring to spiritually spiritually integrated psychotherapists and vice versa. So um, part of what happens for me is I'm able to include this posture with um, – the brilliance of psychotherapy. It's, That's it's, awesome. It's, it's both and. It's not either or. So I'm gonna I'm gonna vacillate between sensory motor EMDR, which is like the gold standard for tr- treating trauma. Yeah. Um, not that everyone's a fan. I know, but it's awesome. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna be able to weave in between the in between those things along with honoring spirit. Okay. Mm-hmm. With so some, with some specific specific. Uh, techniques as well. So yeah. if it, when you have a patient mm-hmm. that's there, you're not saying like, well, for 10 minutes, we talk about your spirit. For 10 <laughs> minutes, we do. <laughs> right. we, we, you, it, the, the spiritual part, oh, Kendall and duh, integrated. Yes. <laughs> yes. The spirituality is sort of like woven through the rest of the things that you mm-hmm. would do with a patient if they weren't having spiritually mm-hmm. integrated therapy. Yes. Yes. It's okay. That totally makes sense. piece um, wouldn't be done with it if the client didn't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if they do, it's just woven mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And there are some times where like a whole session might be spiritually integrated psychotherapy. If like what we're working specifically on is a, a, a spiritual need or hurt or something like that. Um, like one, like one technique, which, so open-ended questions are a counseling technique. Mm -hmm. So open-ended questions versus closed questions. So a closed question is like a yes, no. Mm -hmm. Kendall Ann, do you like dogs? Yes. Okay. So that's (laughs) an example of a closed question. Um, open questions are things like Kendall Ann, what animals do you like? Mm -hmm. You know, or Tell me about your love, if you love animals. Okay, uh-huh. so way more. You can go wherever you want with that. Uh-huh. Okay. I would like undo my, my sweatshirt and I have a shirt that says, I heart dogs. <laughs> I really do. My yes. husband bought it for, for me from Target. I love it. I love it. Uh, so we can do that from a spiritually integrated place. Okay. okay. So open into question. If we've already established with the person um, that they want to do this, that they um, have kind of a monotheistic um, vibe and maybe they call their higher power God. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, I'm going to use whatever language they use. Okay? okay. I use whatever language they use. Um, I may say, have you, have you, and have you and God talked about that? Which oh. is very different. That's, that's actually closed. Like, what's it like when you and God talk about it? Uh-huh. That's a little more open versus have you prayed about it? Yeah. That can get a little, that's a little judgy. judgy. Yeah. <laughs> what's it like when you and God talk about it? Well, we don't. Okay. You know, do you mm-hmm. want to? No, not really. Okay, we go on to something else. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I just feel like I can't. Okay, tell me more about why you feel like you can't talk to God about it. Then we're in a vein that we're going to be able to work. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. It also can be things like in the same scenario, okay, um, what might God be able to see that no one else can see in your situation? Oh. Okay? Because it's an assessment question for me as the therapist, and it gives me a lot to work with. Okay. okay? Um, which is really exciting because a person who is still kind of mired in that hopelessness and depression is going to most likely answer one way. Mm-hmm. A person who has some readiness to um, to expand into hope is going to answer that question differently. So and that's like so it's like an assessment question for me, but the, it's a spiritually integrated one. Does uh, that make sense? Yeah, that okay. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's more of like than when people ask you like, are you feeling hopeful? Yeah. Are yeah. you you know yeah? yeah. Do you so, feel more hopeful than less hopeful? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that's really fun because it, again, it's very efficient because mm-hmm. it's like these parts of ourselves that we normally kind of actually don't share with people. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, oh, that's really efficient. Let's do that. That's great. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're doing <laughs> really good stuff over there, Missy. Thank you, Kendall. Anne. And thank you. It. Thank you so much for being on today. Is there anything else you feel like you want to tell us about spiritually integrated therapy? I feel like I've, re- I've asked you a ton of questions. 
Oh my goodness. This has been a wonderful discussion. I think if someone listening is thinking, I'm kind of interested in this, Mm -hmm. then what I would recommend is that when you contact an office or a therapist, just ask them about this. Like is, um, do you feel competent and integrating spirituality into my sessions? They're going to tell you, Yeah, you know, um, if, if it's important for you to, for it to be a person of a specific religion, ask, okay? Like overall, just so you know kind of what you might be up against is that um, there's lots of rules ar- around this and, and important rules to keep. To oh, keep, for sure. Yeah, to keep us from proselytizing people. Yeah. That is not counseling. Yeah. That is not therapy. So, um, so I find that people who were trained younger, so I'm 38, so... Have oh, a, girl. I have a little more... You you look so good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. So I find that people in my generation are a little more comfortable because now this is... We're talking about spiritually integrated psychotherapy at conferences and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes older people are a little... Not necessarily, but sometimes are a little more uncomfortable because they came through training when it was like, don't, don't talk about yeah. religion no matter what you do. Yeah. Well, what are you supposed, not yeah. supposed to talk about at parties like politics, yeah. yes. religion? <laughs> so that's what I would just give people the heads up. Like okay. if you're thinking, hey, this sounds interesting and like it would be helpful for me, like advocate for yourself on the phone with the office. Like, hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for. Do you do this? And if not, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, yeah, I just want to help people advocate for themselves. Um, because if the counselor feels uncomfortable talking about or incorporating spirituality, that's just not going to be a good fit. And that is okay. Yeah. I'm not the best fit for everybody either. The people that I am a good fit for, I'm a really good fit. So yeah. I want to help people find the right fit yeah that would be the main thing i would add like make sure it's the right fit so that's a great recommendation so Mm -hmm. when you're calling to make your appointment ask Mm -hmm. if they do it Mm -hmm. and then if you feel comfortable ask them if the therapist feels comfortable with whatever Mm -hmm. spirituality or religion you are and i think what you're saying here is really important like if you get in it and it does not feel right don't go back. Go to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> totally fine. Like, totally fine. Like, in the same way, for those of you out there listening who know, like, about different techniques, like, you might call and say, hey, do you do CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy? Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask that about spiritually integrated psychotherapy because they'll say, actually, no, I don't do that. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's okay. Or they can be like, I yeah. don't, but my friend. Exactly. Exactly. That's, so, yeah. That's so just really good advice. Yourself. So, because um, fit is what's most important. Like, yeah. 100 and 50,000%. Yeah. Your fit with the therapist is what's most important. So, well, I think everybody could fit with you because you're fabulous. Oh, <laughs> you. I love my job. <laughs> well, you're so. definitely, we're going to bring you back again. So okay. make sure you remember where I live. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I will. You're very close <laughs> to the office. So it's easy. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. And really. have a good rest of your night. You too. for being on the podcast today and teaching us all about spiritually integrated psychotherapy. If you're interested in learning more about it, I have some links in the show notes where you can get some more information. If you are in an unsafe or violent relationship, there is help available. Please dial the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7200. Three, three. Again, that number is 1-800-799-SAFE.